Okay. So Zach Abraham's going to join us. And man, do I have an ambush assignment for the chief investment officer of Bulwark Capital Management. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. All week, the partner of the week has been Bulwark Capital Management and the chief investment officer thereof. Like that little fancy grammar for you, thereof, joins us on the Todd Herman Show. Good morning, Zach. Good morning, sir. Thanks for having me back on. It's a pleasure to have you. It's Thursday morning, uh, 3 p.m. You got the uh, big free live webinar coming up, knowyourriskradio.com. Um, we'll talk about that in a bit here uh, and uh, let people know what's coming up on that. But is it okay? You know, you, you, you and I are friends. We're brothers, right? Yeah, yes, sir. All right. So, okay. I hope I, so. Yeah, we are. Uh, I want to just hand you just an easy assignment, uh, but it's a bit of an ambush. So okay, I'm I'm ready. Okay, I want you to put your um, your good old fashioned uh, debate hat on. I'm sure you've taken some debate classes in college, and I want you to defend the Inflation Reduction Act as something that will actually reduce inflation. <laughs> Man, I, Go. I wow, mm, boy, that's a. Uh, I want you to climb Everest in Bermuda shorts with no oxygen. <laughs> Um, okay. Let me, let me give this a go. Uh, see here, <laughs> there, there's a, there's a problem at the core of this, Todd, in the problem is called math. Um, <laughs> in, increased government spending in any capacity. Um, hold on. Let me get my bearings here. Okay. So here we go. It's all about green energy, Todd. We, we've got a we've got an energy crisis in this country. I don't know if you've heard about this. Now, this energy crisis is, is of course, you, you lay the blame at this or at the feet of Putin. And then, and then number two, after Vlad, Vlad the oil price impaler. Yes. Uh, after Vlad the impaler, the next guy in line, you know, of course, is going to be Chevron and Exxon. It's the price gougers, right? You, you got to you got to watch out for those. So the way that we usurp this uh, inflationary, this, this, this Vlad inflationary pop is to ramp up spending on green energy that may or may not provide any more energy to the grid, Todd, but that's not really the deal that, that we should be caring about because the road to heaven is paved with good intentions. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. <laughs> yeah, that's, so, in the, that's in the book of Roger. Uh, I think it's Roger uh, chapter six, verse 66. Yeah, he was the 23rd apostle. Yeah. And uh, um, great, great guy. Also, also, uh, he really knew how to, he, he, he really knew how to make some Galilean fish. Yes, yes. He, he was kind of the cook of the group, you know? <laughs> um, so, so, <laughs> so, uh, so, so the, the, the fact that we're investing in green energy, uh, that, that's going to lower the price of oil. And, and Todd, it's, I, I could prove this to you. 
but it's it's above your pay grade. So you're just going to have to trust me. Okay. <laughs> That's a pretty good job. Just like, just, well, just, and just like you trusted us with the vaccines and that worked out well, right? You just got to right. trust us. You got to trust us here. The best. The I, I don't. Yeah. To, to be honest with you on a serious note, um, I, I think all of us listening to this show, and if you don't, if there's any ambiguity about it, we can clear it up. Well, what this should have been called is the save the midterm election bill, right? It just, it's the do something disease. And if you haven't gotten, if you haven't gotten the message yet, it's something that we talked a lot about going into this phase, because when you've got 0% inflation and the government's punting or printing money the way they were, Right. The end is, is inevitable. Like we've been saying for 10 years, this ends in inflation eventually. Right. And, you know, did we know that COVID would start it off? No, but it, there's always going to be something that lights the spark. Right. Like it's it's um, w- one of the one of the great analogies for, I think, what's going on with inflation. It's like the, the, the two buddies standing on the street corner and one of them's balancing a, a, a spoon right on his finger and a tr- semi truck goes by and blows the spoon off his finger. Right. The, the wind. And, and the one buddy looks at the other one and goes, hey, why did that just fall off my finger? And he goes, the semi-truck. And he goes, no, it, it was the imbalance, right? The fact that there was no support, eventually something was going to knock it over. Um, so inflation is much the same way. I mean, it was just, it, it, was a, it was a fire looking for a spark. And COVID just happened to be that spark. Um, when, you, when you ramp government spending, even like it's, it, you may as well put gasoline in a fire hydrant. I mean, it, 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 there's, there's no way spend, there's, there's no way spending you know this isn't pyrotechnics in, in pyrotechnics or, or you know there's in fires when you have that well fire you, sometimes you use explosives to put it out because yeah. the explosives suck all the oxygen out and kill the fire right yeah. that doesn't work in inflation right more spending equals more inflation more money is chasing fewer goods you're not increasing the demand you're just increasing the supply you're subsidizing supply and, and this is the problem we saw all along, which was when the inflation finally hit, what was the government going to do? They were going to reach back into their old toolbox. All they know to do is print money and push money out there. And it's just, it's just going to keep exacerbating the problem. Um, and then you could even get into more nefarious parts of it, which means, you know, you could make the argument, it's just another power grab, just dressed in another, dressed in another cloak. Right. Um, but no, it's, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, look, and these are one of those issues that's completely outside of politics, right? I don't care what side of the aisle you are on, everybody in finance, even if the biggest Biden supporters in the world, if they know what they're talking about, everybody kind of looks the other way because you're just like, this is ridiculous. Spending more money does not tame inflation in any way, shape, or form. Um, it, is exa- it, is, it is an exacerbating deal to, to the level to which it exacerbates. I don't know. I don't think it's a particularly big amount of money compared to the absolute free for all. You, you know, there, there's another weird deal. How big is the bill, Todd? Well, wasn't it 250, 350 billion, something yeah. like that? Yeah, it's it's okay. ornamental. Right, but even that's crazy. Remember the bailouts in 0809? Yeah. We were all pulling our hair out. That was 900 billion dollars. Yeah, 900 billion dollars. Now we just casually throw out 300, 350 billion. Like you said, it's just ornamental. Right. In, well, in, in comparison to you, 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 a three hundred trillion dollar debt, which is the real number, yeah, right. Yeah. I'm sorry, it's not yeah. ornamental. It's an enormous amount of money. Uh, and then also take into account that, if, and correct me if I'm wrong, three out of ten cents are borrowed, and I don't know what percentage are printed at this point because they're not going to tell us. I mean, I'm going to guess that 
maybe a, a penny and a half. So four and a half cents, uh, four and a half cents at a 10 cents is either debt or in, invented. Um, there's yeah. so much invented money floating around. Uh, that yeah. I don't even know what the real money is anymore. I mean, we have laws against counterfeiting, but somehow the, the, the treasury just inventing a bunch of money, that's not counterfeit. S somehow they get to do no. that. Is that, I mean, is that an overstatement? Honestly, cause you know, I'm super cynical. Is that an overstatement? No, I mean, well, the the only the only part about it that isn't technically accurate, well, and it kind of is actually, uh, is that the the source of it is the Fed, right? Um, the Treasury is what then, and this is getting super wonkish, but basically the Fed creates what is referred to as bank reserves, right? The Treasury then turns through different angles. I mean, so those have to be converted into currency. They have to go from being bank reserves to currency. Yeah. But the way the Fed does that is by buying government bonds, right? So that's, they're monetizing U.S. debt with printed money out of thin air. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just what's happening, right? That's just, that, that, that's, there, there's no way to dress that up. I mean, you're, you're monetized. You know, we, we, I grew up in an era of time where, you know, we referred to monetization of debt as kind of an end game, right, for an economy and a government. Yeah. Um, we've adopted it as policy. So can it work? Yeah. And, and it can work for a while. It's, it's inevitably going to go the, you know, the way of the dinosaur. Um, and th this is why it's so important for people though, to understand what's going on in markets, because, you know, like we've been saying that when we thought the inflation started and when tough, you know, when, when financial pressure turned on in this economy, that you would see the dollar soar in value. And there were so many people that hated the fact that I said that, 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 that agree with me ideologically and real and, and agree with me that printing money is bad. And they're like, no, it's going to make the dollar collapse. And I just said, listen, I get why you think that, but what you don't understand is how backwards and turned around this whole system has gotten. The dollar is not a currency anymore in the way we think of it. Traditionally, it has become the volatility index of, of currencies. And part of it's 0809. Like if you look at, if you look at dollar transactions in the world, I want to say the dollar makes up, don't quote me on this, but I, I want to say it's something like 85, 86% of all fan financial transactions that happen globally occur in dollar terms. Well, it, even prior to 0809, that wasn't the case. The Euro w was right behind us. It was much more even, right? Well, what happened? 0809 happened. The Fed became the source of the bailouts. You know, the Eurozone showed its fractures and its problems. And the yen has it right one by one, the generals fell and now there's just the dollar left. So when things get tight, regardless of what it's caused by, even if it's caused by inflation, the dollar is going to soar. And, um, and that's where we're at. And it's an extremely painful position for consumers because as the cost of living is going up, you know, and you look at on an international basis, you know, these people that think the U S economy is going to motor through no problem. It can't. They can't. 65% of the revenue from the S&P 500 comes from international markets. The dollar is trading at a 23-year high and energy costs are through the roof. How in the world do you expect people in Asia and Europe to buy as much stuff from America? They're not going to. It, it's that simple. They can't. Not unless, somebody, not unless the European Central Bank starts passing out funny money like the Fed did, which they can't because of the structure of the European Union. Well, wait a minute. Can't implies limits. 
The, well, the, the European the, Union went to the people of the UK, and Zach, this is a true thing. People think Brexit yeah. was all immigration. Immigration um, started the ball rolling. Um, unfettered, uncontrolled, you know, insane levels of what is in fact illegal immigration, just with a, a legal drapes thrown around it. Do you want to know what yeah. really actually pushed that into high gear? Was when uh, the European yeah, yeah. Union that couldn't literally told Britons that their toast was too crisp. Yeah. This is a true thing. They put out regulations on, on toasters so that you couldn't have your toast so crisp that, that they did that. And someone in Brussels, I didn't know that. that's a true story. And then they also were saying your tea is too hot and your, your toast is too crisp. And that's, I mean, that's very near to a rosary, which we learned through the Atlantic, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but the rosary is an extremist symbol. It's a, it's a, it's a Catholic AR 15, according to the Atlantic. That's what, that's what truly pushes over the edge. So with all due respect to you, when you say the European Union can't, that implies some, someone's going to stop them. Who exactly would stop the European Union from passing out cash? Well, they've got a, the, this isn't getting any press. And I, I think this is an incredible topic to me. Well, it, it shouldn't surprise us that it's not getting press. And I, I'm sure you agree with it. The things that create headlines and the things that don't even get talked about. Yeah it continues to just blow my mind, right? Okay. The European Union, in my opinion, is facing an existential issue. And the existential issue is that this energy crisis has blown an, um, a semi-truck size hole in the perceived invincibility of Germany. And Germany is the engine that makes the Euro go, right? It, it, that is their manufacturing base of the Eurozone. That is where the majority of exports come from. That's the baby, which is exactly why European Union headquarters are in Brussels. That, that, that's not right. That's not an accident. Um, and so this energy issue is really testing the viability of the industrial side of, of or, or, or that economy. And Germany has a lot of other issues, once again, that no one's talking about. Were you aware of this, that Germany has a massive demographic problem? It's way worse than, than a lot of other countries. They have more 60-year-olds than they have 50-year-olds, than they have 40-year-olds, than they have 30-year-olds, than they have 20-year-olds, than they have teens, than they have kids. Literally, every age graph yeah. group is smaller. They are a vanishing population well, that's why right An now. That's why Angela Merkel has said, let's um, fighting-aged men uh, walk across the border into Germany from Syria uh, and from Libya and mm -hmm. from everywhere else. Let them yep. in, let them do what they want to do. I mean, remember that you had beer festivals um, in Germany. Beer festivals stopped because, and this is the way they put it, um, young migrant men objected. And what it was. In Germany. Right. What it was, was um, young Muslim men of fighting age didn't just object they went out, I'm not saying they, but it was, it was Muslim men, not all of them, obviously, but it was Muslim men who went out in those festivals and took the, uh, took an opportunity to rape German women. Um, mm -hmm. And you're not supposed to say this, but they come from a different culture. And the culture is, hey, if a woman is walking around dressed like that and drinking, you get to do that. That's, that's okay. 
and you have, they shut down beer festivals and then they told German women, don't walk your dogs because you'd have enraged young immigrant men. They never say immigrants from where attacking women for having dogs because dogs are filthy. And, and when a woman says, I'm not taking my dog off the street, the man says, wait, you're talk you don't get to talk back to me. Yeah. And, and they've, they, they don't have any interest in being Germans. So yeah, that's not getting enough focus. And thank God that's not going on here. That we're not, yeah, that well, we're not in, just letting people pour over the border and change our culture here. That's thank God. Yeah. One of the, and you know, we've talked a lot about markets and trajectory markets. And if any of your listeners listen to my show, they've heard me say this all the time, but I, I people, one of the things I've noticed from investing is that if you want to get a really big following, if, if my goal was to be the number one, you know, financial radio show or, or podcast or whatever, what you have to, what, what you're supposed to sell. I mean, there, there's different ways to look at it, but what you're trying to sell is certainty, right? You're, you're trying to present yourself as the guy with the answers. Now you and I both know that in the world of investing, if there's a guy that claims to be the guy with the answers run the other direction, cause he's the guy that's least likely to have them. Right. Yeah. Um, but this is one of the reasons that I keep telling people, look guys, the backdrop looks bad. Okay. It just does. What that means for the stock market in the next 30 to 60 days, who knows, right? I mean, you're watching Bed Bath & Beyond rally 250% and it's probably 14 to 18 months away from insolvency. So, I mean, this is still just crazy town, right? Uh, in these markets, um, you know, Walmart is now up eight to 10% since announcing that its net revenue dropped 25% in the last quarter year over year. It, 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 you're, you're still in fantasy land here. Um, but one of the things that we have to keep in mind when we start talking about the problems in Europe, the problems in Asia, China's up against a similar, not quite as drastic, but a similar demographic problem that, um, uh, that, that Germany is facing. And then China has a whole host of other issues. But because of all of these things, and it's so easy, right? Uh, familiarity breeds contempt. It's, if, if you're watching this all unfold and you're watching the dollar soar in price, one of the things as investors we've got to keep in mind is that it is possible to go through a very nasty global recession and see U.S. stocks hang in there if not go higher. And the reason why is if, think about this, if you were a Japanese investor and you bought U.S. tech stocks, pile of them, a year ago, in same currency terms, you're up 15%. And everybody goes, what are you, what are you talking about? NASDAQ got hammered this year. And I go, yeah, but the yuan, or excuse me, the yen has devalued 30% against the dollar. So your tech stocks might be down 16%, but your local currency is down 30 versus the dollar. So in real terms, you're sitting on a 15% profit, right? And, and you know, you look at, you. where do you want to have your money? And we're still the cleanest dirty shirt. And that's one of the reasons I'm not out there as bearish as some people want you to be. Do I think it looks good? No. Do I think it's going to go lower? Yeah. But we have to keep part of managing risk is looking at both sides of it. Yeah. And you look at these things rallying with bad news. What does Walmart do? It pays a dividend that's paid out in U.S. dollars. So, you know, we've got to think about things uh, differently. I didn't, of you know, I from didn't an international that. scale. I didn't it, think well, that. yeah. I mean, well, yeah, because if you buy a stock 
right? If you buy a U.S. stock that drops 40% in value and your currency devalues 60% against the dollar, you just made money. That's so insane. Uh, the, it thing, is. the thing that drives me nuts about this is I call it the chaos economy. And I thought this was a new thing, but I noticed, wow, it's a chaos economy. Hey, look at me. I'm a clever man. And now as I'm understanding this, I'm a fool because this has been a chaos economy for a very, very long time. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit, Zach. I want to talk about the labor market. Um, mm -hmm. There is, I think it's very good news that college attendance is kind of plummeting and particularly among men. Because there is a dynamic um, in the labor force that, that creates a national security crisis. That's not my thinking. It's American Spectator in the right. Actually, Spectator lands out of England, Spectator UK. We'll talk about that in a second. This guy, Zach Abraham, today, it's uh, Thursday the 18th, uh, 3 p.m. today. Zach is hosting a free live webinar, and I haven't checked. I don't know if there's seats left. You go to knowyourriskradio.com, um, and you have to reserve the spot, even though it's a free live webinar. And you, know, you, you always do a good job in these things of touching on some of the current events. Uh, so I got to imagine you're heating up to at least touch on some of the things like how this stuff affects long-term uh, care and estate planning, social security. So when you prep for like these free live webinars today, people register at knowyourriskradio.com. How much time do you spend looking at the current events when you step in to, to chat with everybody? No more than normal, just because I'm looking at, I mean, yeah. you know, I'm doing it for literally hours every single day, <laughs> but, but you know, one of the things that we do try to focus on is, is a trying to get it done in a quick orderly fashion. We don't want to keep people on the, on the zoom for, you know, crazy amount of time. Yeah. Um, but then we have a Q and a session afterwards. So the presentation usually takes 30 minutes. Q and a session usually goes about 30 minutes and then 30 minutes is where we cover a lot of those current events because okay. people usually have questions about what's going on stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, we're, I mean, you know, I think you, you have an idea. I, I'm devouring this stuff nonstop. Yeah. So a lot of it's just kind of old hat. Yeah. And one of the things I like about the workshops amongst many, uh, it's a free online workshop with uh, Zach Abraham, a webinar, I should say. And it's that you go into detail about what risk management means because people think they know, uh, but truly they don't. I gave the example last week of people buy a bunch of survival food. And the number one thing people forget to buy is water um, or ways to get water and then can openers. So you've got seven years of survival food, not a can opener to be found, plus no water, and it's all dehydrated. So good luck with that. Um, so people need to understand how much work goes into the risk management strategy with Bulwark Capital Management. And you may still be able to get into this. So try it. It's at knowyourriskradio.com, K-N-O-W, as in you get to know things, knowyourriskradio.com, and register there. It's free, but you have to register. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. So I did a cast, just I don't know if you've heard it yet, about uh, in shape, in shape, fit, physically fit, in shape, godly men are not toxic by default. There's a huge effort to turn us all into toxic uh, masculinity or to, to make us victims of that. Tr truly, I was doing research on this. I ran into so many articles with the leftist media, the mockingbird media saying, um, gyms are places of white supremacy and whiteness. Uh, and now they're saying white nationalism and Nazism. That's what you find in gyms. So stay away oh. from gyms. This comes at the same time hmm. as, as Bill Gates is saying, you too can look like me. Um, if you eat enough fake meat, you too can have my physique. 
um, which is great news. And not that I body shame, I don't, because people look the way they look and, and God loves you and I love you. Um, and I've been 150 pounds heavier and was grateful to have people love me. Um, but yeah, that's at that same time. But in my research, then I ran across the degree to which this country, it's not just that we don't make things, but there, there is a forgotten skill base. Like I, 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 I accuse myself, honestly, yeah. um, my dad and probably your dad, something like, um, yeah, I'm thinking of something on the car going wrong. Like, oh, I know my dad. Yeah, my U-joint's going out. What are you doing this weekend, Terry? I'm I'm going to fix the U-joint on my car, on my Jeep. So I'm going to yeah. jack it up and I'm yeah. going to take apart the rear end and fix the U-joint. I might look at, might open up the tranny just to look and see what's in there. Uh, see how it looks. And I don't know about you, but I, I can't think of the last time I jacked my car up and said, I'm going to take apart the rear end and get in there on the U-joint and, and change things. I, I can remember it. Uh, it's never happened. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just fixing things now, like go to someone and say, Hey, make a U joint. Right. Yeah. Good luck. Right. Yeah. And there's this whole base of, of opportunity. And I truly think that the Lord may be fixing to, I know he has cups of wrath to pour out because I know he's looked at the lies about the injections. I don't know, but he says, don't murder. Um, I know he's looked at the kids being sexualized because God sees everything. And he said, do not do things that keep the kids away from me or you're going to get them. It'll be better that you had a millstone around your neck and be tossed into the ocean. Yeah. The Lord's very clear on that. But I also think that he is building up a, a great big uh, reservoir of righteous comeback potential. And here's the two things I observe. It's largely men who stop going to college. There's been like a 7% decrease in, in about, what is it, about seven years. So it's about 1% per year, fewer high school grads going to college in, in conservative states. Um, it's more like 11%. And this is at the same time as this country doesn't know how to produce things anymore. And that mm -hmm. is a reservoir of, of potential economic power that, that would just be amazing. What would happen if this country started to really make things again? Well, I mean, I, I, first of all, um, I think we may look back at co the COVID lockdowns and all that kind of stuff as a blessing in disguise because you'd gotten to a point where it, it was, an, it's, and it still is a national security issue, meaning you offshore that much of your manufacturing. What do you do when you get in a, when you get in a fight with that guy? Right. Right. Um, it kind of, it kind of right. leaves the cupboard bare. Um, and then, and then the other thing that is really interesting, Todd, which I think it's, it, it's interesting that you hit on the, on the, on the manufacturing side of it. One of the biggest issues the world's going to face, everybody's focused on energy. It really is like that across the entire commodity complex, meaning, um, the, that has been so uninvested in and so pushed down for so long that this whole, we, we've lived in a period of time where natural resources were basically unlimited, right? That, that it was never a constraint. And that's one of the only periods of time that you could ever say that, right? Yeah. It's, it's this, it's a complete outlier. Um, and I think for the American economy, it's going to be very vital because once again, another reason why money might flock here, despite the fact that economics aren't going in the right direction is we're one of the very few countries on the face of the earth that literally has all of the natural resources we need. We can, we can be self-sufficient virtually everything. There might be a couple things here and there that we need, but, but pretty much everything we need. And that really doesn't matter. It kind of reminds me of your food storage analogy, right? 
you can have all the natural resources. If you don't know how to assemble them and make anything out of them, it doesn't do you any good. Right. Yep. So it, it is, it is a massive, it is a massive source of, uh, uh, potential economic growth. It's a massive source of jobs. It will also be inflationary. Um, because the reason we were out offshoring business to other countries anyway, is cause we could, right. We, it really was a raw deal if you look at it. And, and if you go back and look at NAFTA, um, and I'll send this to you at some point because if you go back in 1994 when, when NAFTA was getting floated or was it 94, 96, it somewhere right, in that yeah. ballpark, um, there, there was a, and I'm forgetting what his name was, but there was a very prominent, um, I think he, he was a uh, businessman and financier and I'm forgetting what his name was, but he came out and just decried NAFTA said, it's going to, you're going to hear the sucking sounds jobs. Ross Perot. Uh, 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 what's his name? Ross Perot did it. There was another guy though that I'm thinking of. Um, that went into it in greater detail. And they basically, they basically predicted everything that, that has happened to the, the U.S. labor uh, force, workforce, since NAFTA being, uh, you know, being passed. Yeah. And um, it, was, it was an extremely raw deal to the American people because you're going you're gonna to build the goods over here where the labor cost is nothing, and then you're going to bring them back and sell them to where people have money, right? And, um, you know, I, but it is going to be inflationary. That's one of the crazy things about COVID is you look at all the pivots, all the changes that have happened since COVID, they've all flipped from deflationary to inflationary. So but, um, let me th cut. that wouldn't be, go ahead. No, I was just going to cut in on one thing. Um, here's what's changed. And I don't even think the technocrats understand what they've done. Okay. So the technocrats, um, they've, they have done everything they can to remove people from the process of production, like Bill's magic fake soyed up meat, right? That's a whole bunch of machines making that, right? So, but yep. Yep. while they're doing that, they have built tools and techniques where, Hey, you know what? You want your own gun? Sweet. Then do a 3d printing. You want your own CAD design? Okay. Well, you can do that with software. I'm wondering now that people know how to make things and have also grown up tech, as, as technologically native, what that could be like to have actual return of home businesses making things. And I'm not just talking about food. I'm, I, I know a guy up the street who has a machine shop out back of his property. He machines stuff all the time uh, to, to do people do back end repairs and they're John Deere. They're not supposed to do that. He's machining that stuff all the time, Zach. And, and he's just taught himself how to use the computers, et cetera, um, and the software. And it's it, phenomenal. So I wonder if there isn't going to be this accidental end around where the technocrats go, wait a minute, you're using our tools against us. What are you doing? You, you're not supposed to use that. That's supposed to be us using that. I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me being uh, fantastical. And we've only got a few minutes left and we've got to get ready for the webinar. But that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, it's, it's, I'm sure that, I mean, look at the push. I mean, the push is all toward automation. The push right. is all toward insects and all right, this right, other right. kind of stuff, cutting people out of it. I, I think that all that's really undeniable. And I think that when, you, that's why I was sitting there saying good when I heard the college enrollment was down because we got to build back up that skilled labor force. Right. We absolutely need to. And you, going right over into what's happening in China and to Germany. But we have a very unique opportunity staring in front of us right now to become an industrial power again, a manufacturing power on top of technological. This whole idea that you have to pick one or the other is complete nonsense, right? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a shell game. You don't have to pick one or the other. You look at all these kids going and getting these $250,000 degrees 
you know, they, they go to a trade school for, you know, 10 grand or whatever, come out, make more money. And then you've got skilled labor, you, like you said. And then, and then with, with the development of the internet, you see the potential for just micro businesses everywhere, like the return of the mom and pop shop. Right. And um, I, I really, I really wish we were embracing that as opposed to this, this complete farce that is green energy. Oh, so do I. And that's that's sort of my point in this, that um, I, uh, reading through the history of the Bible, God seems to get a great big kick out of watching men scheme and build up their perfect crime. And then they've got it all worked out. Now the perfect crime's coming and you'll own nothing and be happy. And then there's God coming along to Klaus going, hey, hey, Klaus, watch this. I'm going to, I'm going to create a bunch of cottage businesses and a bunch of men who didn't go to college. And guess what? They're going to create freedom because small business is big freedom. How you like me, Klaus. Right. I, and I, I mean, I, I don't think yeah. that the Lord cares a whit about some, some thing called Klaus Schwab. He'd like Klaus to come to him and repent, but the, the Lord is so very big, but I just have this sense that what God would like is, Hey, you know what, Zach, you said it really well. You live on a continent that has everything you need. And yet here you are turning to ungodly means to get it and, and chicanery and scheming. And I'll just end this way, Zach. At least we had the great honor of watching Joe Biden when he signed the so-called Inflation Reduction Act do the following things. Get up on stage masked, begin to cough, take his mask off, cover his face with both hands and cough into it, sit down at a table signed the bill with a bunch of pens with his cough laden hands and then hand that out to people handing out COVID at the same time. And then someone somewhere in the crowd made the mask signal and the figure had put his mask back on as he's coughing. So I think that says it all for where we're at with the state of our country. All right. I, you know what? I always like that when you do these uh, webinars, you wear that Elvis suit. So is that, is that hot? The big white robe or I mean, it gets, it gets a little hot. It's, it's the, it's the wig and the gold chains yeah. that get to be the most down. onerous. All right. Uh, yeah. But, but look, you got, yeah, you got to You look good, feel good, play good, man. There it you is. Know? All right. Well, say hi to our, uh, say hi to our fellow listeners. Yours from knowyourriskradio.com and us from the Todd Herman show. And speaking of labor, I have a story I want to share with you about that very thing here in just a second and gaining respect for that. Go with God's good grace, Zach. Hey, thanks for having me on. So I get to this story uh, about labor and just how people, I think, overlook uh, what I refer to as honest labor. And, and I know that that can seem condescending to people who are in the thought business. We'll get to that in a second. I want to give you guys just a heads up that the, the Google machine, Google.com, uh, allows people to do some things that they should not really be able to do, in my judgment. Um, there are a number of listeners who've come to me and a brother came to me this morning. His wife was signing up for soda weight loss at sodaweightloss.com. And I know like it's hard sometimes on cell phones just to type in a URL because they don't want you doing that. They want you searching for things. Um, but there are some companies in my judgment, it's unethical, um, who are buying and they do this to all companies. It's not, it's not like this isn't soda's fault. Um, but these, these people go out and can't or just steal people's search results. Please, when you sign up for Soda Weight Loss, sodaweightloss.com, make sure it's Soda Weight Loss. A brother came to me today in some company, I think, called Perfect Body. Um, and incidentally, there's no such thing. So right away, I would look at that company and say, you guys are swindlers. That's just me. That's just my judgment. 
So when you want the original soda weight loss, just make sure that the URL, the web address says soda, S-O-T-A, weightloss.com. An easy way to remember that is it stands for state of the art. And the reason that they're able to say that and feel good about it is because of the long history that when they were founded in Dallas, I don't know that they had ambitions to go above one store um, and founded in Dallas, Texas. And then it just became obvious that, wow, we can't even service everybody in this one location because we're doing so well at helping people drop unwanted fat and keep it off. So it went from one location to two, and then eventually it became seven. And, but all through this, they tracked the results. And if you are scientifically rigorous, you should be able to make predictions based upon your thesis. If you are operating in scientific rigor, when you create a thesis and you test that thesis, not only should you be able to repeat it, but you should be able then to make predictions based upon that. It's that scientific rigor because they're healthcare providers by background that allows them when they chat with you and create this nutrition plan for you, it allows them to say to you as an individual, here's how much unwanted fat we think you will drop per week. And they constantly, constantly test themselves on that to make sure that they're be remaining state of the art. But art also contains an element of humanity and all of soda, soda weight loss is all about humanity. You will work with a uh, nutritionist and nutritionists will help guide you through the entire process of dropping this unwanted fat with the goal of it never coming back. And that's what's different from these companies that pretend that they're the ones who create perfect bodies. All right. It's sodaweightloss.com, S-O-T-A weightloss.com. Make sure, make sure that when you sign up, it's with soda, S-O-T-A weightloss.com. Yes, uh, one of my, I've said this before, but one of my very favorite bumper strips, and I say bumper strip, by the way, because I used to work at a company that made pressure sensitive labels and we would get fined like 50 bucks if they, if we were ever caught saying the word sticker, uh, the guy who ran the place said, don't devalue my product. Don't call my product a sticker. It's a, it's a pressure sensitive label. So I say bumper strips because we sold those, uh, to some clients. And if you ever said, uh, someone said, I want to buy a bumper sticker. You were supposed to say, yeah, we don't do stickers. We do pressure sensitive labels, but I could sell you a bumper strip, which is higher quality. In some ways it was. We have a generation of people who hold things in their hands and are completely blind from the labor that's gone into creating those things. You look at the cell phones that our kids and grandkids are, are so consumed by, and let's be honest, so often we are, Behind that scene of, of the mining and the seeking out of these rare earth, you know, metals, which by the way are poisonous, that's lost on them. And yeah, a lot of kids work, a lot of kids to this day get nose to grindstone, but the idea of labor and of actually laboring on something, I had a great, great example of this someone shared with me the other day, is there's a family that comes from the thinking world. So mom is a emergency room physician, and I guess that's putting hands on people. Um, dad is a college professor, and he thinks for a living. He doesn't teach much anymore. He writes and researches. And they recently relocated to North Idaho. So their kids grew up in Silicon Valley. Mom, as I say, ER nurse, uh, ER doc, and dad just thinks and writes and goes to whiteboards. And these kids intend to be screenwriters. One of them wants to be a screenwriter. The other's working on software. Nothing wrong with this. They live in Athol, Idaho, which is a pretty rural part of the country still, parts of Athol, pretty rural. 
and they've got a, a fair bit of property. They've got about 25 acres. From their house, they have a tremendous view of some lakes, and it's a beautiful place. Down below them, they've watched a family buy, well, they didn't watch the buying, but they became aware that they purchased some acreage from another family. And it's, it's a little carve out. So I think it's like a, it's smallish, five acres, small to them. And the kids one day were driving home with, with mom and dad and noticed that there's teens doing the work on the house. And this was a neck craning experience for them. They, they crane their necks. It's, oh my gosh, dad, there's kids working there. And that's, yeah, kids work at construction sites. It's good work. And they said, no, it's just kids. And so the dad slowed down on the road and looked in the rear view mirror and said, wow, you're right. It's just kids. I don't see any adults out there. It's just kids building this house. And so he then started to ask around, hey, do you know about this house down the street or down the hill? And so he learned about it. And when he drove back down, he took the kids back down because he learned what was actually going on. And so fascinating that I'm remembering this story. And it was, it was a, a brother reminded me about men who direct others with work. Brother reminded me of that um, the other morning, Wednesday morning. And he learned that they were building that property on behalf of a grandma and a grandpa uh, who were well past the age where they could do the work on their own, but they both knew the work. They both knew how to construct a house. And so they were teaching the teens to do this. And what happened with the family of information workers is they become utterly fascinated with this. So they do what they do, which is they go to YouTube and they start looking at, wow, this is all the work that goes into building a house. And they've all seen, and you've probably seen the viral videos of the, of the people who can build primitive structures on their own. And there's a guy on YouTube who builds these insane swimming pools all by himself. And he starts with nothing and he uses very primitive tools. They'd all seen that, but now they're becoming very familiar with it. And they befriended the family that works there. The kids became friends with the kids and have now shouldered into helping to build that house. And what's happened is all these skills are coming together that the young lady who wants to be a filmmaker and screenwriter, she's now, now not just not just building, but she films some things and she's sort of documenting the process of these teens deciding to do this for grandma and grandpa because their parents work. Their parents don't have time to go put shoulder into this and build this house for grandma and grandpa. So the kids are doing it. And the young man who wants to be a software entrepreneur looked at this and said, man, this is a brilliant, brilliant opportunity for me to use design tools and to, to help with all this. And they've come together on this, but it was the way the guy told me the story was the first week after his kids were out working shoulder to shoulder with these kids, they didn't ask for money. They just wanted to do it because they thought they were cool. He said for the first time, he got to see his kids sleep the sleep that comes with true, honest physical labor. And he got to see them rise in the morning with the look of two people who had experienced true physical labor. Now, I don't mean to deride the other sorts of work. It's all honorable. But since the garden, since we have separated ourselves from God, that sweat that comes from our brow, it can be painful. 
it, it, it can be awful in the hot sun. We, we replicated. I was just talking about the workout I did with my young friends this weekend. That's just simply replicating work. But when you drive back down the next day to the construction site and the walls are up and the day before they were not, you can't wait to now put the, 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 the rest of the house together. And that's what he saw in his kids, this excitement of hearing his kids talk around the dinner table. Tomorrow we get to see the chimney tested. Tomorrow we get to watch the electricians come and show us how to put in the wiring and work with us. And he said that his kids have never slept so well. And the greater lesson in this for him as a Christian man was to say to his kids one night, and he was joking, he said, well, I hope you're getting paid a lot of money for this. And I said, dad, we're not asking for money. He goes, what? You're doing this for free? And his kid said, yeah, because it's an old couple and they can't do it on their own. And you've always taught us that we give our time. And he said that as a father, for the first time in many years, he slept the sleep. He had the rest of a man who feels his kids have been truly connected with what it is to serve and not be served. They all got that sort of righteous rest. We're meant to toil. We made that decision when we departed from God in the garden. And as we accept the Lord and walk with him and truly walk with him, there'd be a day that we don't toil, but I wonder in heaven if we'll miss it. I do. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and be thankful that the Lord gives us opportunities to serve and not be served.